0: So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.
2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of
0: Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com
2: to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling.
3: kids do you like professional wrestling wow we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino chris has unexpected guests no they were
2: they were they were anticipated i wasn't like blindsided by the arrival of my parents they're in town because it's my birthday here on sunday
3: ah yeah how how old of a man are you chris Oh goodness! If I can,
2: thirty-seven.
3: Ask. Uh, oh, is, see, is, you're you're yeah. a young you're a young pup, my friend. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, no, I'll be thirty-seven <laughs> here on Sunday. I just
3: sound young. I don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, my and I look young. My voice is like an octave lower than than my body looks. Yeah, so so that's...
3: Years of smoking have done that to you. <laughs> you have you have the radio DJ bass voice now.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, there it is. There it is. Yeah. A couple of decades of uh, salting and peppering of my oh, vocal cords there.
3: I should have drank much earlier, and I could have gotten a job in radio, hopefully. <laughs> I, although my yeah, I didn't drink enough to damage my vocal cords, unfortunately. I still have the kind of high nasally voice. that.
2: It's really weird that aesthetically we've all come around to the idea that we like the smoker's voice. That we yeah. think the smoker's voice is sexy.
3: Yeah, uh, and, and and can get you work. I remember that those were notes I got when I had, I still, you know, I lived in the day of demo tapes, So I was sending out my tapes to try and get a job in radio, which I thought was the pinnacle of show business. For some reason was, was playing records on, on a, on a radio somewhere. I, I just wanted to be a sidekick or something on a morning show. That's all I really ever wanted, aspired to be at one time. And I'm like, yeah, you just, you just don't have enough bass in your voice. I'm like, ah, how do I get that? <laughs> ah, smoke six packs a day. Come back to me in three years, kid.
2: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, they're in town. Uh, they they came by here uh, a little bit earlier. Like they like like I feel like all parents, they get up way earlier than the rest of us. Got to beat the and- traffic they are leaving from amarillo as as i'm sure we're all aware as american citizens one of the most congested arteries in the entire country is that amarillo to Al- albuquerque stretch of i-40 uh there's <laughs> there's just so much so many people live on that highway uh it it, it could take years uh, depending on what time of day you leave
3: well we discussed this at any time your parents drive to come see you they're always early always
2: I know I knew I was in trouble when I, I was not sleeping super well last night. And I was like up, whipped out my phone real quickly, as you do when you wake up in the middle of the night. You're just like, oh, did anyone text me? Like, because, you know, people do that all the time at 3 in the morning. All the good texts come in then. Um, and then I pull out Instagram. And I'm on Instagram. And like all of us, I'm like looking at my story and seeing who looked at it. And I see that my mom has already gotten on there I'm like, oh, shit. She's, they're going to be here at like before noon. This this is how this is gonna go. I thought they were gonna be here like five, um, and I, I would have planned things slightly differently <laughs> in, in that. Like, uh, well, for example, I, Jeff, I wouldn't have necessarily tried to close the bar down last night.
3: No, <laughs> six forty five on a Saturday, on a day of a, on a day of a football game. Doom, doom, doom. Hey, we're here. Want to go to breakfast? It's like I got rehearsal in fifteen minutes for band. I can't. <laughs> why are you here so early well you know your father got up early and so we wanted to beat traffic coming in yeah and i even
2: i did have a lesson but it was scheduled at noon because again i thought i was going to be you know free at least till like four and then i was like oh i have to bump this so that's so how it goes but i'm really excited to see my parents uh you know now that, now that i don't live in the same state as them and we don't see each other very often. Like you know, it's it's just all it's all exciting to see them. You know. Oh yeah,
3: no, yeah. I, I agree. I would once once you move like far away from your parents, getting to see them it becomes a treat rather than a hassle. And yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement.
2: Yeah. So no, I it, it's been good, and uh, we have um I cleared out the whole weekend, spent time with them. And then next week, I'm going to teach lessons, like, during the evenings or whatever. But we'll still go out and do stuff during the day. And they got some friends out here that they're going to visit, too. Nice. I think we're going to go and uh, check out the hot springs. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. One of the best parts about New Mexico is there are many interesting natural water features, whether you're talking about, like, the Blue Hole or, like, Hema Springs or Ojo Caliente. Like, if you like chilling out in a watering hole of some sorts, whether it's a hot spring or, like, the Blue Hole is just as, like, weird circulating underground it's hard to explain it's basically 60 feet in diameter and it's an underwater like spring or whatever and so the water in the blue hole actually cycles out completely every six hours
3: yeah yeah where can i see the house where they cook the blue meth
2: <laughs> um
3: i'm breaking bad
2: uh, if you you know I, I don't know if you knew this jeff but that was filmed out here in albuquerque
3: what no I, that's why i didn't make that joke at all
2: no i know i <laughs> It's, it's, it's a popular thing for people to like just like yeah. bring up yeah like did you know this Chris like no <laughs>
3: <laughs> I had no idea Je- no Jeff, clue. did you Jeff did you know that things were filmed out in Los Angeles yes I can show you different locales here's where the Vanderpump rules brats live if you want never mind <laughs> all right, all right, all right, one more
2: like quick little anecdote from the week here so I was at uh I was visiting my local dispensary and I was chatting with some of the people there um and This guy, who who has also been a sales rep, um, was coming across the border from Canada back into the United States. He's a New Mexican resident, and he is coming across the border, and he got stopped by U.S. Border Patrol and detained for several hours because the underling agent... Learned on that day that there's, in fact, a state in the United States known as New Mexico and that New Mexico is not, in fact, part of Mexico. Um, long story short on this this detention story, guys detained for like three hours trying to explain to him he lives in the state of New Mexico. And that this is a New Mexico state driver's license. This Border Patrol agent could not get this through his brain. Finally, the supervisor comes in, looks at the driver's license puts his hands in his head like, oh, my God, looks at the guy, apologizes to him profusely, and then looks at the agent with the dude still in the room and goes, you are now going to go to Google, and you are going to make me a list of five major cities in the state of New Mexico. Your tax
3: dollars at work, people. (laughs) I, I have jokes, and none of them are. Ones that wouldn't go over well with our audience. So I will continue. Top story. Attention must be paid. Rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. Sheiky baby! A.K.A. Kosro Vaziri. Um, Dave Meltzer doing some excellent work this week with that uh, obituary. I'm going to read a little bit for you now. And then discuss really... I think how he shaped a lot of Gen X uh, wrestling fandom, uh, or at least uh, affected it. Let's put it that way. Maybe not shaped it, but at least affected it. Uh, there, in many ways, the Iron Sheik was two completely different men. There was Cosro Vaziri, a great amateur wrestler who lived a Spartan existence. He was known for his natural rip physique from ridiculously hard training and a careful diet. Claimed he never had sex until he was 28. Claimed he never touched a drug until he was 35 when Jimmy Snuka... <laughs> Talked <him> into <laughs> marijuana. The straight-laced wrestler, billed as an Olympic medalist from Iran, was undercard technical wrestling babyface who also never made any money from pro wrestling. And then there was the Iron Sheik, who was the opposite—a man synonymous with excesses in all facets of life, most notably drugs. But was but with the gimmick. Partially taken from the biggest drawing heel of the previous decade, Ed the Sheik Farhat, and with the quote-unquote luck of the Iranian hostage crisis taking place, he became the perfect heel to face every babyface that was being marketed as an American patriotic hero. The irony is that only a few years earlier the man who embodied the anti-American heel playing on xenophobia was actually the assistant wrestling coach of the U.S. Olympic Greco-Roman team. Yeah, uh, Iron Sheik was a legit badass when he got into wrestling. He was part of that uh, 1972 training class with for Vern Ganya that included rick Flair, Greg Ganya, Jim Brunzel. Um, I'm forgetting somebody else, very oh, Ken Patera. That class of badasses who got into professional wrestling. Uh, one anecdote being very <laughs> he, he thought drop kicks looked fake, and this got back to Vern. And so in the middle of a grappling match, Vern threw a shoot dropkick that hit him right in the face. <laughs> Bloodied him up. Yeah. Uh, Iron Sheik, at least. don't need to
2: throw dropkicks like that. That's what I need. I need more of that. I don't need I... anything off the top rope. I need a standing dropkick that looks like murder death.
3: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Iron Sheik, for me, uh, interesting enough, because he was really one of the first guys I ever saw in WWF. I had been, of course, a crock crockett kid for years i watched the first couple wrestlemanias on tape and one of the first things i saw was sheik and volkov versus rotunda and Wyndham. you know he's doing the saluting thing while volkov is singing the soviet national anthem you know usa patui ussr number one all that other stuff also for for kids of my generation really the guy who exposed kayfabe in many ways, because he was caught in a car with Jim Duggan. Uh, they were speeding, but they had been getting high. And Sheik had cocaine on him as well. And they were in a program together at the same time. So when this came to news, everybody's like, oh man, pro wrestling's fake? What? That kind of thing. Um, I both respect and feel sorry for the Iron Sheik in many ways, because he he was a bodyguard for the Shah of Iran uh fled to America, you know, when when it was clear that the Ayatollah was gaining power, etc. Um, and 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 eschewed all that, including his his religion at the time, uh, to then come and then represent everything about that use it for to make money. But man, his demons, when he became a drug addict and, and things like that and got bloated and stopped working out You felt bad for him then, and then his daughter got murdered in 2003, I think, and that just broke him. And then these two guys who basically gave him his second life, but also were just using him for money. That that whole Howard Stern Iron Sheik thing, I I have complicated thoughts about that, Chris, because it definitely was him playing up things, like saying anti-Semitic stuff and racist stuff and homophobic stuff basically to to create a presence on which he could then make money mostly because he spent all his money on drugs as a younger man but I mean but he also gained fame from that too and actually kept himself relevant in some way so you kind of can't knock the hustle at the same time
2: Uh, it's like it's kind of like a blood money hustle though. When yeah. You tra- yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I get it. I get it. And it's like shock jockey. And like, dude, you would especially routinely see him. He, he would break the, I will, you know, do your woman. I, you know, that, that the whole break I'm, your I'm, back
3: and make you humble. <laughs>
2: right. I'm trying to like, even like do an impression of that iteration of the sheet. That would be like, you know, within the rules of what we usually do this show. And it's hard. Mm. Um, but you know, you'd see him break it and be like, oh, but not your wife, because I have tremendous respect for her, Like, just, like which, <laughs> which would almost make things funnier, because uh, you could see, like, you know, every so often he, even he'd be aware of, like, okay, like, what the fuck am I Or what am I doing right now? Like, what is yeah. coming out of my mouth? Yeah.
3: He was also, he was also, of course, the, uh, the transition champion between Bob Backlund and the start of Hulkamania.
2: Th- this to me is like. When I think of his wrestling career, obviously I think of the Hulk Hogan thing, but I also think of the way they got the belt off of Backlund onto Sheik, and how much Backlund resented losing the title in that manner to Sheik. The whole Arnold Scaland thing.
3: Yeah, I mean Vince gonna Vince. Number one, number two. I mean Backlund was
2: mid. I love him as Mr. Backlund in the 90s, but like 1980s Bob
3: Backlund, mid. Mid, very mid. Also, you know, we had this guy with the big personality over here in Hulk Hogan, the new. F- I mean, and Vince loves his new toy syndrome. You you, you, and I both know that he's always loved that. So it shouldn't be surprising that that, you know, as he wanted to get away from, you know, Oh, the the popular grapplers of the day, you know. Oh, I had Bruno and I had, you know, superstar Graham and 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 Backlund and 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 our baby faces who were, you know, middling personalities, but well-liked and really well-respected for their athleticism, those types of things, as opposed to big garish characters that I can then, you know, market and, and really go for the bombasticness of professional wrestling and really turn it into a spectacle, which is really what Vince's goal was all along. It shouldn't shock anybody either, but I mean, and, and Sheik is just perfect because foreign heel slash big heel versus Hulk became the template for the Hulkamania run, be it stud Bundy, you know, uh, Foreign menace of the week, Yokozuna, <laughs> what have you? And uh, boy, all and the other thing I just remember is is now that I've gone back and watched, like I've watched some of the '70s stuff, and he was amazing. He, I mean, he was he was dry as 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 sand in terms of personality, but he was an amazing athlete prior to the Iron Sheik iteration. But I also just remember that last run in WCW. He just couldn't do anything, and and he was just there for a check along with like the junkyard dog.
2: Oh, well, dude, (laughs) when when his knees went, it it, you felt so bad for him because you could just tell he was in tremendous pain moving around to any degree like any bending whatsoever of those knees. The
3: gimmick battle royal at at WrestleMania 17, where he couldn't, where you knew he wasn't going over that top rope because he couldn't take a bump but he still couldn't move worth a darn either. Um, always also also amazing to me that both Duggan and Sheik eventually got into Vince's good graces again. So, I think Duggan even in less than a year. I mean, when that story got exposed, Vince McMahon read them the riot act. At, uh, while for, exposing,
2: for exposing K-fab for K-Fab. For exposing the business. Yeah, right, right. It was about exposing the business. It had nothing to do with the cocaine. It had
3: nothing to do with the drugs. <laughs> yeah boys need their candy you know all that other stuff but but yeah 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 you're not you're not embarrassing us because of the drugs you're embarrassing us because you're traveling together that's the real shiki
2: i'm very worried about your mental state and i want to make sure that this problem of yours doesn't go any further i think it's important for me right now to take you guys off the road for a few months said vince mcmahon never
3: it's still amazing to me that they brought back Iron Sheik as an Iraqi sympathizer,
2: too. No, I, right, when they when they repackaged him as what's... Colonel Mustafa. Mustafa. I, I was like, Colonel Mustafa, right? Yeah, yeah, he's... <laughs> Colonel Mustafa under Sergeant Slaughter.
3: We're going to take the Iranian.
2: I couldn't remember if he was Admiral Adnan or if he was Mustafa.
3: No, the Adnan was um, uh, Sheik Adnan El Casey. Okay. From World Class, I believe, or... <laughs> the AWA, one of those two. I mean, Slaughter is still the... Slaughter is still the most amazing one of those. <laughs> Take this guy who's been an American patriot all these years <laughs> and use the invasion of Kuwait to get cheap heel heat on him. Oh, just an uh, amazing tri- triple.
2: <laughs> it, it, it is... It's that fine line between clever and stupid where it, it, it unfortunately arced to stupid, but like theoretically... Slaughter and the Iron Sheik finally aligning would have been a an amazing heel moment. Like, the mega powers only for heels. Yeah, it could yeah. have been done. It could have yeah. been done in a really interesting... Well, way, you
3: kind of had it with, with Sheik and, and Volkov being managed first by Blassie and then eventually by Slick when Blassie kind of aged out of the role. Uh, <laughs> oh, xenophobia. How I miss you in professional wrestling sometimes. I... <laughs> The the foreign menaces when everybody who was an enemy of America had to be a chief. I'm not saying we need to go all the way back to Nazis, necessarily.
2: Did love that Imperium segment, though. Oh,
3: yeah. oh. oh I keep thinking they're going to bring in Tozawa into that <laughs> just to complete the entire Axis powers. Oh, man. Yeah, Sheik is a complicated legacy. Um... A hard life. Uh, you know, part of the entire rock and wrestling thing. He's turned into a children's cartoon, which is amazing on its own level. Along with Piper and Volkoff and Giant. And-
2: he has a very fun cameo appearance on Kenny versus Spenny. Oh, uh, I've
3: heard of this, but I've never yes.
2: watched. Yes, yeah, I know the "Who is Who is a Better Professional Wrestler" episode is where he appears. <laughs> so, if you guys are like looking for a tie on or tie in, go to YouTube. Uh, Hots has all of the old Kenny versus Spennies up on his YouTube channel in like 4K. You can watch Sheik on the "Who is a Better Professional Wrestler" and uh, Kenny also put out like a little bit of a tribute package to uh, Sheik when Sheik died this week, which I thought was nice.
3: I'll, I'll tell you also, um, there's a. There's a documentary, I believe, on Amazon Prime about the Iron Sheik. And it it's, I think, three quarters an actual great documentary about him. And then that last fourth is the twins who now claim to be his nephews and how they've repackaged him into a, basically a meme guy into the, you know, the shock jock Howard Stern whack pack member stuff that I get sickened by, to be honest with you. but But the first... You know, I'd say two thirds of, of that documentary or so are about the hard life that Sheik lived and, you know, especially going through the the murder trial and everything else. I mean, he went into that courtroom looking to kill the man who killed his daughter. He had snuck a razor blade allegedly into the courtroom in his mouth like an old school Carney. Mm. <laughs> and was ready to go after him. But yeah, uh, no, rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. Uh moving on there's no great segue for this uh the top two matches for new for aew's forbidden door have been announced brian danielson versus okada and will osprey versus kenny omega i need to give flowers where due i thought both announcements of this via video package were quite well done uh this past week as opposed to last year's builds, which was announce the match and then oh look Okada's here the week before the pay per view, they're actually taking some care here, Chris, and doing a bit of a build, which I like. That's for me.
2: Yeah, I I
3: also <laughs> like. Did I catch you go to the kitchen?
2: <laughs> yeah, you you actually did. You like <laughs> uh, I, I was like I was grabbing. I was like I'm gonna grab my coffee before Hawkins finishes this <laughs> sentence, and then. <laughs> I didn't beat the clock, and like, here's the thing about live radio, people. We don't do it. We actually pre-tape, but then we don't really edit, so it's almost the same thing. And, and sometimes you just miss these spots. You you blow a spot here. <laughs> One day I'm just you're just gonna fall
3: asleep while I'm giving an intro. All right,
2: that that's entirely on you, wouldn't it be? Oh, true. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta nail these intros. You no, gotta so come in need, hot.
3: So I do. I need to repeat that or did no? You I, I had I, the, I had
2: the headphones on. I just stepped. <laughs> I I stepped. I wasn't using my microphone voice.
3: Okay.
2: Uh, Danielson and Okada. I think that the build for this um, is much better. I actually, I think putting Danielson on commentary every week has been a strong characterization move for Blackpool Combat Club. And commentary seems to be a very comfortable place for Danielson to get his character's message across. And. I think, you know, the more Danielson can build up the importance of Blackpool Combat Club putting Okada's pelt on the wall, so to speak, I think that that only makes the intrigue for this match greater. Um And I think Danielson needs to, on commentary as he's building it up further, just continue to talk about how impressive Okada is, which is why it's going to be so impressive when he beats him.
3: I liked that they're basically keeping them separate for right now, number one, and but having the Chaos versus Blackpool, Blackpool Combat Club match go on. Yes. While, while while Danielson also says, can you believe these are the kinds of guys that uh, Okada hangs out with? I also think it helps Okada in some ways. I have been told by a New Japan watcher who, um, who, who informed me of this, Okada's kind of going through a slow heel turn right now. In that he's getting tired of his chaos allies in some ways. Um, like I believe they they included Tanahashi in a six-man group with him and Ishii, and he didn't want to team with uh him. He's he's smacking around some young boys that are in chaos. He he's slowly going heel, and that this defeat may then in fact help accelerate that process. So I'm I'm liking the layers to this, but I mean, mostly I just liked. I like that video package they showed at Dominion and they reshowed it on Dynamite. They're putting in some effort. I dig that. And, of course, Osprey Omega, that story kind of tells itself. I'm really um,
2: glad you gave me that context, though, on the slow heel turn thing, because I don't necessarily trust that I would get that on TV. And that might be a hard one to get across on TV without giving away the game. I you don't think I mean?
3: they need it on, on the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. I think it's mostly – I think – there'll be fallout from the loss and then, then he'll turn heel on, on a new Japan show. I don't think it's, it's necessarily needed, but they may. Well,
2: see, I would say from a business standpoint, it is because what's your, your business. If you're new Japan, you want to get these American AEW fans who are sure. your best bet of subbing back up to go, Oh, something's happened with Okada. It's not not the same old locata anymore. So I I actually think that this theoretically could be a really good piece of business for both companies um, and and build a little bit of intrigue around the storyline, if you present it the right way. But I I openly admit on this one, a little tricky because you just don't want to give away the game too much.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, The only other surprise coming out of Dominion where the G1 uh, pools were announced and the only AEW talent that will be on the G1 will be Eddie Kingston. Thoughts?
2: Uh, this will be exciting for Kingston.
3: <laughs> yes, that's, that's pretty much. That uh, is yeah, my
2: I, thought. I good am... good for Eddie. Uh, I'm not necessarily
3: yeah.
2: going through the bracket right now and circling all the Kingston versus whoever matches that I can't wait to watch and making sure I have those appointments on my calendar with links.
3: I am a fan of Kingston the character. I am a huge fan of Eddie. I am a huge fan of Eddie Kingston the brawler. Eddie Kingston, the Japanese, um, uh, how 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 will I put this? The guy who wants to do Japanese style matches.
2: Yeah, Eddie Kingston, the Kawada cosplay guy.
3: Yes, thank I don't you.
2: vibe on so much.
3: I don't vibe on so much. No, that that's per. Boy, that was great. Um, yeah, I and and everybody's a little bit more excited than I am about it. It's like okay. <laughs> And then the bell rings. No,
2: yeah, right. For me, Eddie Kingston, and I'm not even saying, yes, I don't care for the matches. I really like him on the bike. I think he's a great promo. And I can think of so many different people seeing him interact with on the microphone where that would be compelling shit for 15, 20 minutes, just those two guys talking. Um, I mean, Eddie Kingston, this is all just a thought experiment. Eddie Kingston squaring off against Roman Reigns. Those two guys on the microphone against each other would be electric. Um, and you could get Eddie Kingston going face to face with MJF would be electric, and then the bell rings, and that is that's going to forever be the problem for me with the Kingston match is that Kingston wants to be one of uh were they what were they called back uh in in the nineties uh the the four pillars they, they were the four pillars right yeah okay they were also the four pillars yeah uh, yeah right. He they want to be the he wants to be like one of those old school four pillars and yes. his matches isn't that he is he's a roddy piper brawly type guy mm-hmm. and that's fine that's fine but he always tries to do way more than that and get a field from that and forget that like the thing that Eddie Kingston does best is Eddie Kingston's the character work stuff yes. and that the matches need to be in service of the character rather than using his character work to justify him getting 20 minutes as a Kawada cosplay
3: Young Rock canceled by NBC. Not really a surprise to me. Um, gonna uh, this is you... a
2: tremendous and crushing defeat for Old Novi. But go on, Jeff.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were all over that. Well, I'm actually, a little banged up right now. No, it's fine. One of my former students was on on that show playing uh, Lars Anderson, so I was you know I was very happy for him. But that production budget was. Was overblown because of the deal they originally made with The Rock to get that show on there, and so once they moved it to Fridays, the point was to get rid of it, and they now have justifiable reason to because the the ratings just stunk. But I mean, they were taping in Australia and I believe in Tennessee, and just the 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 budget for that show far outstripped the ratings, and they knew it after the first season, and so it went to Friday at eight thirty to die, so you know, and also just rock thinks he's a mogul that that's part of the other problem here, but nevertheless, it rocks a little
2: bit of a declining star. We, you and I were chatting about this before we got on the air and he, in my opinion, what Rock's been trying to do with his brand is trying to make himself like a Snoop dog type character. Yes. Where it's, it's like Snoop is now like a lifestyle. It's not even about like, you know, his appearances on Dr. Dre's the chronic, right? they were so far beyond that. And the rock just isn't that he's a wrestler who turned into a successful actor, but like people still ultimately think of the rock as if you smell what the rock is cooking.
3: Like, yes. yeah, and, they think of his
2: 90 hits and, his er, and,
3: and every movie, he must play the rock. Right. <laughs> Black right. Adam, he's playing the rock, you know, pretty much, or he's trying to show range, but he's not, I mean, he, he's more brand than actor. And I think that's always been the problem with the rock. And, and but, that's
2: actually hurt his acting career too. To yes. The point. like, like the, his, his seeming uninterest in expanding out his acting range. And he's now had 20 years to do this, right? Like it's, I mean, yeah. Okay. Make some big cash in movies early on, but like he made Scorpion King. He got paid. He had time in the, in the late aughts and the early 2010s to do the indie film, and you try, you know, do do all those things that sort of expand your range and make you a better actor. Well, the, um, the and, funny and thing is, that.
3: the the first role that got him notoriety was at, in a dramatic performance, so to speak. um It, it was in that Get Shorty uh sequel, where he was playing a he was playing a, a homosexual bodyguard, and everybody, oh look at his range, look at how great he is, etc. And then he used that to parlay that to do bad Disney films that he top lined that didn't make any money and then action movies that didn't go anywhere. And then eventually he, he he'd start making real money, attaching himself to things with already existing IP slash Q rating. But it was never really the rock that made the money on those things. That that's the funny thing that people don't get. Like, like I mean he 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 he's a great number two on the marquee. He is. He's a great number two on the marquee, but when he top lines things, would would you stink. say he's
2: the guy who works with the guy?
3: <laughs> yes, he's the guy who works with the guy. That's a, no, that's exactly correct to me. Or he works with the franchise, or he works with, you know, the remake that has. I, some... think, I think the industry has
2: kind of sniffed that out on him too. Yes, yes, yeah. That, that's that's his other big problem is that like, at, you know, initially it was a very savvy plan. You know, as you're trying to build your brand hit yourself to establish franchises or, you know, big companies like Disney or whatever, do those kind of use those to raise your star. But at some point with that star, you've got to be able to lead the thing. Young rock was like like one of the, like one of the few experiments that Dwayne's sort of done That's sort of like, you know, using the star of Dwayne Johnson itself. And even then he, it's like, you know, he's sort of in it and sort of not, you know, He's never he's never done it.
3: You know what he's become?
2: He's yeah. become Gene Simmons. It what iteration? The kiss
3: the Kiss in? Army, the Kiss This, you can buy the Kiss, you can buy the Rock This, you can buy the Rock That you can buy the Rock Tequila. You can do the Rock TV show. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Do, yeah, all that stuff. Um okay, which the okay, yeah, this is the one I want. Uh Collision. The new AEW product is will be now shown in Canada. The bad news, it will be shown on TSN Plus not standard TSN kind of like the ESPN plus app uh this does not help canadian sales in any ways which are lagging somewhat the the debut at the uh at the united center is is strong of course because chicago is punkland but the next few weeks tickets are lagging there chris
2: i mean that's not that's not a tremendous surprise the the, the way the way they have been rolling out collision is not maximally inspiring. No. Um, No. And Khan has to be aware that he's creating a meaningful rift inside of his audience, too. Like, I mean, it's not hard to see it where it's like there are people who still – if they don't love CM Punk, like CM Punk doesn't offend them. I would be like in the camp of like, I I don't know that I love him. I I think, I think he doesn't offend me and I certainly would watch him again. Um, And then there are people who like hate the guy's effing guts, never want to see him on their TV (laughs) screen again. And so like what Khan's sort of doing is agonizing them in this weird way right now. Like they are legitimately not enthusiastic to hear this guy's in the main event. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I boy, is that not bode well for the show.
3: Yeah, and I am I, I'm I'm actually saying. shocked that Collision is on at 8 and not 6 Eastern. Uh, I was legitimately shocked about that. It is going to get crushed come fall if it lasts that long. Yeah. With, with whatever the primetime college football game is, which always does monster ratings. That, that'll that be interesting. I'll uh, end with this in the news seg- segment, SmackDown did a monster number last friday uh three million viewers at the end watching that bloodline segment 0. 0.73 and just to lead us into the lazy river i thought that was a tremendous piece of business that entire thing i know i know that there are some aew hardcores who are like eh, cinema whatever oh look at look at how transparent or how transparent this entire angle is blah 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 i thought it was great for one reason or one reason only well, not one reason only. Wait, but
2: Wait, are people watching wrestling and solve murder mysteries? <laughs> is this like is this like murder mysteries for second graders that y'all are trying to watch here? I, I'm, I'm very confused by that take. No, please expound. I, I don't have a problem with a uh, storyline in professional wrestling yes. being somewhat transparent. Um, in, in particular. <laughs> When we say
3: transparent... Everything sometimes... has to be the usual suspects. And, oh, my God, he was... guys uh, like, are so sad. guys are so sad, right? Yeah, like, Which no, I figured so... out actually 20 minutes into the film, but nevertheless.
2: You can just have properly motivated characters whose reactions are fairly easy to anticipate. Like, okay, you're watching that SmackDown segment. You, If you understand Solo Sokoa's character well enough, know that he is not quite there emotionally yet to turn on Roman Reigns. Right. And, and they've done a really nice job selling that story. And so when he turns on Jimmy, I knew that was coming, but it didn't, I wasn't like, oh man, like, like, I don't, you know, uh, what? Uh, this, oh man, this is so. Productive. And I'm taking this in the vacuum of this story's long into the tooth, and in the tooth, and it should have ended in April for me. Like, yes. like we we should have wrapped this thing in in WrestleMania, but we've already talked about that multiple times now. So watching this thing as a piece of business, I like that I basically knew where this was going, and, and the whole point in that thing is was the will he or won't he with Jey Uso, and building that up, and I I just thought they did a really nice job with this. And Jimmy, for his part, um, we've been critical about the slightly confused characterization of like Jimmy and Jay should be seeing this slightly invert, like like Jay should be in Jimmy's role and Jimmy should be in Jay's role, but it all works. And I thought Jimmy for his part did a really nice job in the performance. I like, thought
3: Jay did a great job too. Yes. Cause, Cause you've now been watching him and he's made his bed. And every time it's like, why do I have to lie in this bed with these idiots? Every time it's just like, okay, things will be better now. Things will be better. Oh my God, they're getting worse. And you can just see the look on his face of things getting worse and how much he hates it and how it, it the only, I was looking for a, uh, I was looking for a pop culture parallel. And the only one I could come up with on the fly was if you've ever watched, um, the Steven Soderbergh movie out of sight based on the Elmore Leonard Uh, book of the same name, Steve Zahn is just this small time hood and then he gets involved with guys who actually kill people and stuff and just the look on his face as he continually gets broken and put in this deeper and deeper cycle of crime of which he cannot crawl out of. That's what I'm seeing with Jay here. And I think he's doing a fantastic job as well. I think everybody's doing a fantastic job. Heyman is just an absolute sleaze and I love it. I, I can't wait for Friday to see what how, how Solo decides to just kill Jay Uso, which is what's gonna happen. And it's gonna be fantastic as well.
2: Yeah, I, I mean it or, it or I think, you know, first it's gonna be I think Jay might have to watch Jimmy fight solo. Yeah. Yeah, which which yes, I, I can't wait to watch how jay processes this he's doing a really good job selling torment
3: i I agree and and that's all i want i want i mean it's a very simple what i have to explain to my work rate friends is that a lot of wrestling is angles and promos and stuff and yes you may like your new japan and your ring of honor but stuff that gets ratings is this stuff this is what american wrestling is and I, and they just can't comprehend that and it it makes me laugh every time and, i'm like and people want
2: to get caught in the emotional crosshairs yes of a storyline like they they want to get if the story is telling you torment like you want to be able to feel the ter- torment for me right like watching that segment when Roman was about to get into Jimmy's face, he's like, now you listen up and, and Jimmy just pie faces pie Roman. Face him. Oh, that's so I, good. I actually fisted. Like I was in my apartment. I was like, yes! Like, 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 and I was like, oh damn. All right, that got me. Okay, cool. Um that that pie face has so much more resonance with me as a wrestling consumer than a quadruple half gainer off the top rope through a table that both guys are back up in 15 seconds from
3: no people get excited over Commander.
2: (laughs) i'm not saying they don't like him
3: (laughs) no but but i'm I'm talking
2: about for me with resonance
3: i'm I'm, I'm bringing that up as a point because like like Meltzer on one of his shows this week goes you know what if you sit down people who don't watch wrestling and you have them watch that match, man, they really love it. I go, yeah, Dave. And I, and I love me some Dave Meltzer. Hey, Uncle Dave. No, about- but I'm
2: really worried about this, Jeff, because we now have this open question of is Dave Meltzer kidnapping people in a white van and forcing <laughs> normies to watch wrestling in his basement for his own scientific method. Yes. And it's disgusting. to have to think about that on Friday, June 9th, as we speak.
3: Well, I, <laughs> well, I also think, yeah, Dave. And when they see Commander do it three weeks in a row, they won't be as impressed anymore. Which is what the wrestling consumer—they're just going to ask to
2: leave his basement at that yeah. point. <laughs> Can we please? I would like to go back to my family.
3: I just want to—I just <laughs> want to hear knocking on the door while he's doing a show with Alvarez. What's on the background, Dave? Woof, woof, woof. Uh, <laughs> it's your turn on the lazy room. So.
2: Um. Okay. So, um, let me see here. Dynamite. Okay, let's do let's do Adam Cole and MJF.
3: Yes, let's because this was top on my list and I have a lot to say, but I will let you go on this.
2: Ooh, okay, all right. I'm almost interested in hear your take first, but I'll, I'll just like lay like, I'll lay down mine. Cole here, uh, mine's at least more top lining, I suppose. Um, Adam Cole, is, they have this big problem broadly with MJF, which is that nobody feels. Quite like a credible contender for MJF's title, and Adam Cole is is yet another program they're entering into that. Like, I think the the real struggle for the writing with this is how do you convince these fans, if in parentheses, if they view being convinced as an important part of their wrestling experience, close parentheses, that. MJF is in real danger of losing his title to Adam Cole. I don't see how you get there from here. And watching this promo, I did not see a pathway there. Like, it's not not that MJF eviscerated Cole or anything like that. It's just that I really struggle with what's that narrative going to be? The best thing you could do based off of beat one on week one here is that Cole wins this eliminator match. He's got that over MJF's head. And then for the next four weeks, he needs to have MJF on puppet strings. He needs to be every time MJF thinks he's playing Adam Cole, Adam Cole needs to outsmart him. Like It's going to take, a lot of narrative focus to get this one off the ground for me
0: in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, The only repack that provides real value 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Now that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack, $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet, arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all 3-in-1, offering you triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required keyless entry. No more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have .3 .3 second fingerprint
3: I agree with you. Um, I am far more critical of this promo than a lot of people in wrestling podcasting. And I was shocked I was on this island. But here we go. Both of them talked about crap that just didn't matter. And they talked about.
2: Yeah. Did you want to hear about NXT on Wednesday?
3: Chris, this was half a step away from being you're only a wrestler because you're a crappy skateboarder on both sides of the equation and i compare it to the dominic mysterio cody tête-à-tête on raw which stayed in the bounds of the world that's been created on raw and I get that some people, oh, some of that noise is piped in, so it's not really that negative, blah, blah, blah. I get it. They're conditioning people. But as a promo, it stayed on target. This thing.
2: Dude, the steroids comment was uh, really. It's so hard to get the steroids comment to connect back to my initial concern, right, of how do you convince me that MJF is in serious risk of losing to Adam Cole when. Adam Cole's like, you're on steroids and I'm not.
3: Yeah, well, and, well, and he's let's... younger
2: than you, too. Cool, man. You got you
3: got him. Go oh, get him, Adam. I, I could not believe that. I can't believe that they made it about Vince McMahon and what he thought of Adam Cole. The whole Keith Lee thing. I can't believe that they made it about Vince not thinking Adam Cole was much. I can't believe they brought up the body thing with, with Adam Cole. I, I can't believe that... And I can't it's believe harder, that. Hold on, these backwards. Oh, you yeah, go ahead. But yeah, let me, I, let me let me just finish finish just this ranting a little bit here. They made this about nobody in the back respects you, MJF, and MJF saying I have good matches and good promos, and none of that crap matters in the kayfabe world of wrestling, where all MJF had to do is goes I don't need their respect because the I have the title, and the fact is. He does have good ma- Adam Cole here is lying because he just beat three of the biggest contenders to his title in a four-way match. He's he won the dog collar. No, he lost the dog collar match, but he won the uh he won the uh hey, Iron man match. Yeah. And it's it's sort like of. one of those things where nobody nobody really I mean, they're turning him into the main event honky tonk man. And people don't want their champ to be that. He can be conniving and cheat occasionally, and you can say nobody respects him, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to make him Ric Flair, the dirtiest player in the game, more than the Miz with a belt. And I, I, I'm just, i I'm just seeing this, and every time they build this up, it's, oh, he sucks as a champion, so there's no way he's going to find a way out of this one against a much superior wrestler. And I just think that is a boring way to to in, in this day and age, to build to build the title. What they want to see is two great people at the top of their game, and who's going to come out on top. And unfortunately, because it's well, MJF's not as good a worker as everybody. It's like that doesn't that's that's not. I mean, no no offense to Ke- to Kenny and, and Will. I'm far more interested in the Adam Cole versus MJF match because it's for the top title. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, we're basically crapping on our product between how we talk about the two main guys for the main title in here. We're talking about Vince McMahon and the WWE and steroids. And can this guy cut a good promo? And can he work a good match? And we're dropping Easter eggs to the carry and cross promo. And I'm just like, these guys are so gotten to about online criticism and the WWE as just, as just the major player in here, that they can't build a basic wrestling feud based on what's going on on their own show.
2: Yes. So to bring the circle back to some of those narrative points that you brought up, I, I think the solid test in all this stuff is when you see Adam Cole say, or when you see MJF say something about Keith Lee, you need to stop and go like, okay, Keith Lee is a narrative point. How would that possibly build intrigue to me believing that Adam Cole is going to defeat MJF? And the answer is you can't. Vince McMahon thinks you got a small body. How does that build intrigue to the notion that Adam Cole can beat Mm -hmm. MJF or build a narrative path to that? It doesn't. You're on steroids, MJF, and I am a twig man. How does this build intrigue? To the notion that Adam Cole could beat MJF. It doesn't. Like, and this is a regular feature in a lot of these MJF promos. Stuff. Oh, and oh, here's another one. MJF. You are loveless and no woman will ever love you. How does that build <laughs> intrigue to the notion that Adam Cole is going to beat MJF? How does it build a narrative to that? Is is Adam Cole and Roderick Strong going to torment and catfish MJF on Tinder for several weeks here in the lead-up to this match to play head games? Uh, play into MJF's lovelorn, lovelessness as a champion? Um, I don't think so. And this is a regular problem in a lot of these MJF promos, where they go out, as you say, they say stuff that would be on Wrestling Reddit, or on Twitter, um, or on like Meltzer's Dirt Sheet, and they need to comment on it, and they need to work it in, and they... Th- like, they're dead wrong in the notion that the 3 million people who watch SmackDown, who you're trying to get to watch other stuff, um give a lot of a crap about Vince McMahon thinking that Adam Cole's got a small body.
3: <laughs>
2: like, they yeah. don't. They don't care. And even if they cared about that, which they don't, that wouldn't get them to oh man can't wait to see Adam Cole beat MJF i'm pretty sure he's got this dude's number
3: i mean if mjf goes look you've obviously lost some muscle because you were injured all this time are you sure now's the time you want to come and beat me up and 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 adam cole goes i'm a good enough wrestler where i don't need to be in peak physical form to beat you oh look that's within storyline that's what we can get behind but instead we're making instead you're on steroids and your body's not natural
2: What's he going to do? Rip out the cord from MJF's back like he's Bane?
3: Yes, <laughs> I know. Hey, like...
2: hey, so, sometime during the title match, it's like, yeah, he pulls out a, a cord. that's a steroids cord that goes to MJF.
3: Oh, no. MJF is screwing with his body chemistry to look more cosmetically pleasing. Whatever will I do? This
2: champion <laughs> is trying to be in the best possible shape he can during his peak title run.
3: Huh? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Adam Cole. I, I will boo this cheater now. Um...
2: Yeah, I just no the the only thing that I thought was remotely effective in that promo in terms of a get there to I could see you know not not that I actually can but just like serving in the arc of how does Adam Cole beat MJF was the outsmarting Um, it's the thing that they have at least done a halfway decent job with in the characterization of Adam Cole as a babyface he's a smart babyface he outsmarts his, his heel opponents I like that. I like that. They have to stay disciplined on that, but that's potentially very interesting. All these years of being a heel for him and Roddy have taught these guys how to not be dumbasses. Um, and how to outsmart some of these heels they're up against. It's not always going to give them the advantage because, you know, like they they'll they now have moral imperatives and stuff that would limit them from going and cheating and doing dastardly stuff, but they're still smart enough to be one step ahead sometimes of their heel nemesis. Well,
3: it's the whole, it takes it going. That's interesting. It takes a thief to catch a thief. And it's like, Adam Cole has been one of the premier heels. Even if we have some criticisms about his, promos, you know, that he has like one and that's it. But I mean in terms of the
2: two matches, but yeah. Yeah.
3: And in terms of his NXT style, but he has been the premier heel. So he should be able, he should know all the tricks of the trade to be able to get MJF you know, hot and bothered that that's, that's the appeal of him as a kind of a cocky baby face here. So yes, that's exactly what I want. And yeah, they should continue with that in this feud. And it's just him, him sitting there and just getting I did like the, uh, what is it? The, uh, Oh, the, 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 the game boy, uh, the, the line about the video games was smart. I, I liked that. It was a, it was a fun little cut down line. The problem is we then continued into Vince McMahon didn't see much in you. So that means you can-
2: but then again, it's like the video games line. Okay. How does that get us there?
3: I don't know. You're, they, you're correct they, on
2: that. They just like to say hot potato stuff. Um, but they don't necessarily think about what all these little like hot zingers are getting you. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, they don't get you much of anything, or they don't connect together or federate federate together in a way that's particularly useful.
3: And they're they're thinking three beats ahead of everybody else here, thinking that everybody's gonna get mad. That you're mentioning all that. See, Vince McMahon didn't see anything in you. But we, the AEW Collective, no, that's not true. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and we like him a lot. You know, that kind of thing. And you're just like, no, what you're saying is is that you think he sucks, and the other company thinks he sucks. And I, you're expecting then the crowd to get this crowd swell of That's not true. Vince McMahon was wrong. <laughs> and you got them going, well, maybe he's right. He is frail. He is small. Maybe he should have been a manager of Keith Lee kind of a thing. Not a lot of people, but just people who don't obsessively go on Twitter and follow every single beat of wrestling news. I mean, everything on, on TV should be whatever you want to build in this world and everything important should be on there. So it's, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that I, I view in conditioning that I just go, they just were working against themselves with the, the tone of this promo. And I know that there are other podcasts out here. that are going to tell me how wrong I am, but they're all in the bubble. I'm, I'm looking at it, this from somebody who, who, you know, is looking at this as a TV show and, and thinking, <laughs> and Mr. White, you can't act. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? That kind of a thing. So you're, yeah.
2: you're watching the Simpsons and like Homer real quickly tells some character that they're poorly written.
3: <laughs> hey, i poo you used to be voiced by a white man.
2: <laughs> I just don't think you're a very good weekly character for this show.
3: Yeah. I think you're probably. Bunga dude. <laughs> uh, I, I, I took a lot of your, your bit there. So I'll let you go next.
2: Um, no, I mean, I did I, the Adam Cole one was, was like the, the big thing from dynamite. Um, What else on here? Um, uh, I think, I mean, I see where the Jack Perry and Hook thing is going. Makes sense. Um, Ricky Starks and Jay White's like the feud that just won't end, huh? (laughs) Uh, It's so funny that they're using Every week I somehow manage to care
3: less. They're using Ricky Starks to get Jay White to see him punk. That's what's fascinating to me. It's like. If I'm Ricky Starks, I'm friggin' livid, man. Like, what this, am I getting out of any of this?
2: This really is idiotic. It, it, it's, it's idiotic to cannibalize Ricky Starks to build up Jay White as a challenger to CM Punk when you could just airdrop him on Collision, the show that, let's be real, about 400,000 people on average are going to watch. I'm, I'm kind of
3: here for the guns being part of the Bullet Club.
2: Yes, Yes.
3: I, I think that that would be a strong move since we're not gonna... except
2: that it just like further lower rents that entire faction. Well, like, like, yeah, I mean, it does. The
3: but your value
2: but, on this faction keeps dropping. Is all well.
3: Your your alternative is we're going re- to repack into the firm, which it seems we have already. Even though Ethan Page is now with Matt Hardy, he's going to be teaming with his old mates in the firm. <laughs> I just, yeah, I find that. Uh, weird i'll i'll uh, i'll do a certain
2: program like just as a wrap on aew for me certain programs are somewhat coherent on this show but then you like look at a group like the firm and you're like what the hell are these guys doing and what have they been doing for like literally
3: months well let me give some flowers to dynamite if we're moving away from that because i've really liked the swerve strickland orange casting match
2: yeah for sure for sure I, and, and we were talking about this before the show you're like guess who's going to be on the g1 and <laughs> I I actually I was only half joking. When I was a Swerve Strickland. Like I didn't think he was actually going to be on there. But if you're asking me, who would actually be a guy I would legitimately be interested in seeing in the G one have his style of match against that roster? Strickland, I like him a lot. Uh, I I always have, and I think Cassidy is continuing to do really good stuff.
3: And I think there were little things that I liked just in the in to bookend this match. I liked that the Mogul affiliates were out there for Swerve to then go to the ring. And it was just kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of Nana and Swerve just walking, but through the gates of agony and and Brian Cage. And then I really just like the simplicity of the beatdown after the match. There aren't enough stables that just do a simple punch kick, trying to just stomp a mud hole into a guy after after a, a thing to just just take out their frustrations that they didn't win. As opposed to doing moves and stuff, I just like the simple beatdown of Orange Cassidy after this match. I, I, but the match itself was just sublime. I, I absolutely ad- Orange Cassidy. They have their formula. They may be running it into the ground a bit with an Orange Cassidy match every week, where he just gets demolished even further. And then well, this somehow... is such a
2: more interesting formula than what they were doing with him, and it's a really nice evolution of the character.
3: And the ending was clever. Where Swerve tries to grab the, the tights, and then Orange Cassidy immediately <laughs> grabs the tights right back. I mean, look, I, I, I know we like our baby faces pure, but I just like that in the moment he decided, oh, you're going to try that? I'm going to do that too. Yeah, and what we have
2: been getting slowly with Cassidy, and again, it's signs that there might be some like sense of long-term storytelling with some of these characters. Cassidy, when his back has been up against the wall, has not been above taking a shortcut to win the match to hang on to the title. Yes. I think that's really interesting. I like that in his character. I do.
3: I watched uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I watched two episodes. I watched the Chris Candido, Tammy one, and then I watched the Magnum TA one, uh, just see what they would do. And And I was disappointed in the Magnum TA episode. I think it needed another hour. Uh, to explain the feuds that really made Magnum TA. I know that this is a, it's a show for casuals really who don't watch pro wrestling, but it's marketed to the hardcores, which is weird, but you needed to go into the Mr. Wrestling Two building of Magnum TA. And then you really, if you're going to do this, you're going to need Tully Blanchard's involvement and you're going to need to have to talk about the IQ match. They couldn't get Tully. So they did through the framing of the best of seven with Nikita, which is a great series. And, and boy, it, it, it's it's the epitome of we built all this just to get heat on that number seven match because Magnum goes down 3 comes back, ties it, and in match number seven, Russian chain interference to get the pin. <laughs> they put the belt on Nikita when you think Magnum's going to win. It's the ultimate just, ah, uh, what? But at that time it worked, but it was like 57 minutes of, Oh, he could have been world champion. He could have been world champion. He could have been world champion. And then the last 3 minutes. Oh yeah, and then he made something of his life and he 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 remarried. And you're like, oh, okay. It it just it felt very rushed. No, it's- and and
2: every time they tell the Magnum story, too, it's like it's always like he could have been world champion and because he wasn't able to achieve that because of the accident, he failed as a human. <laughs> And there's,
3: I, a, there's a little of that. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. weird. It, it, this is a little different in that they, they, Magnum basically says, Well, I was planning to retire. I was going to have my run with the title and hopefully retire by 30. <laughs> Everybody was delusional about retiring at 30 back then. But at the same time, there's also that knowledge in the back of my head that Dusty never pulled the trigger that first time. He always wanted the heat. And so when they tell you, oh, Magnum, they had agreed with the NWA that 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 Magnum was going to get the title, I could just see Dusty going, well, you know, the, the money's in the chase here. Daddy, <laughs> so that, I,
2: I see you chasing this title until 1989, <laughs> daddy.
3: <laughs> I, I am still convinced that Vince would have eventually poached Magnum. I, I do. I think because every, everybody... Everybody that dusty pissed off went up and had a run with Vince at some point. So I just assume Magnum would have as well. Uh, Your turn, sir.
2: Mm, Okay. All right. Um, I guess let's go over to NXT and I'm just going to read results and see if there's anything that I should circle back and watch. Is there Jeff before I, before I read and use my eyes,
3: there was some amazingly bad stuff on this paper on this show. Uh Baron I Baron
2: Corbin finds Trick Williams, I'm reading.
3: Yes. Um mm. there was a lot of main roster also ran involvement on this show as well. Uh the best feud going right now, Chris. You're not on Twitter, so you can't watch any of this. But there's a uh, there's an account called at Chef Reactions where he judges people who cook food. But one of the videos he started on was Baron Corbin cooking steak. And he's obviously a big wrestling fan. So he's been retweeting clips just talking smack about how bum-ass Corbin has has terrible gear and he sucks. And it's, it's genuinely hilarious. It, it's one of my favorite things on, on the internet. But yes, Baron Corbin showed up. Uh, he was originally going to fight Ilya Dragunov. And then Dragunov got taken out by Braun Breaker. And so Trick Williams and at and, least the
2: Braun Breaker Ilya Dragunov feud shows promise, but like, dude, literally everything else I'm reading on this show—it's why would I circle back and watch this?
3: Um, I will tell you to watch something amazingly bad. Sure, Just go watch the vignettes between Robert Stone and Von Wagner. Well, oh, you
2: you know. You know that when we get to year's end, and we we're talking about my favorite series of promos. That you I, will love this. I love, no, I love the vaughn Robert Stone this stuff. Is, it's it's but the, crap. But, it's but amazing. What this is?
3: what this is, is this is, uh, they, have, they have transported themselves into Keanu James's world, where where it's porn without the sex, but everything's foreplay so they're going to individual like you know
2: psych- i mean if you think about the robert stone von wagner thing when like stone says i still don't know you von wagner there is a little bit of tension there Jeff. there is attention
3: there but yeah but, yeah let's get into it they're shopping psychologists or psychiatrists and they go to to another go to like a third or fourth one and a guy comes out crying and number one the the, the exit to most psychiatrists' psychiatrist rooms uh, is on, they have a separate door for people leaving versus going through the waiting room again so that you don't have to deal with that stuff. But um, but they go, and he's just done with this whole thing. And then he sees the psychiatrist, who is, Chris, a smoking hot blonde that looks a little bit like uh, Harley from AEW. and he, And Stone offers to go in with him. But he turns and goes, no, I oh, got this. Wait, w- I
2: have seen this seg I did see this segment. And no, he th- winks
3: yeah. and gets the sound effect. Chris, this is all stuff. Subt- he's been turned.
2: <laughs> I mean, and this, you was, know, this was a knows gay relationship,
3: best- and now he's going straight. This is what this is.
2: Oh, oh this is conversion therapy. This I is see. conversion <laughs> therapy. Exactly. And as we all know, the best licensed Psychiatric therapists also routinely have sexual relations with their patients. Always. This, this this red is extremely plausible and good. This
3: is plausible and good. Uh, the, uh, uh, man, the, the, the Battle Royal was amazingly bad. Um, it also had Dana Brooke in it to try it because there are three main roster talents who are now rehabbing. Poor Dana
2: Brooke. She'll never figure it out.
3: I just, boy, but she's a gamer and I like her. That's I know. I really, thing. really
2: like her too. I, I want her and Thea Trinidad to become buddies on screen. You mean Thea Hale? Yeah, Thea Hale. They just, they get. Like as, they, as opposed yeah. to.
3: I don't, I don't think uh, Thea Trinidad who is, I believe. Isn't Thea Trinidad the same as uh, Zelina Vega? Oh, I thought that was I thought that was Thea Hale
2: and they changed her name.
3: Or no, 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 no. Thea Trenda is somebody else. Thea Trend, oh. Okay. Uh, never mind. But we'll, okay. we'll skip it. No, that would be great too. I because look, I'm I'm going to say this, Chris. I love Thea Hale. I, I don't do think she's play? much of a wrestler, but she is an amazing gimmick. She is just I mean, and I say this every week because she is just over the top, but always on. And they they brought out the uh, the Cavender twins, who are two of their big NIL. Uh, licensed people they they are legit millionaires because they're hot blonde mediocre basketball skills but they're hot and blonde twins who do tiktok videos and stuff uh, to to carry her on the shoulder so I think they may be coming a part of chase you even though they haven't started officially training with the WWE yet uh, but yes uh, Thea Hale and T- Tiffany Stratton will be amazing promos I think in in more ways than one and not necessarily good uh, but to get back to my point, uh, yeah, and, and Mustafa Ali made his debut on NXT.
2: This is not helping the show get back to the good old days.
3: No, it's not.
2: I'm sorry. I like I like Mustafa Ali, but like when you see Baron Corbin on this show, as much as you are seeing it, you are either thinking you're watching a retro episode from literally 10 years ago now when he was on it, or you are looking at the show and going, "Man, what the hell happened to NXT?" Uh,
3: I am surprised you did not focus on Dabakato losing to Scripps.
2: Well, I, this is a setback for my man, obviously. <laughs> but I, I feel like the rebuild's going to hold him in good stead. He long lost to
3: Scripps.
2: Yeah, but that's because Scripps is more powerful now than ever before. Now he's found the power of friendship with Axiom. Reasonable.
3: The power of friendship.
2: Yeah, you know, Daba used to have a friend. Where is that Stooge Apollo Cruz now? <laughs> Left him for dead.
3: I'm a stooge. Oh my god. uh yeah, that was great. But yeah, NXT was uh, was dreadful.
2: Uh, no, it, it, it's it's tough. Like you know, when, when we you know, do like the full recap here, Dynamite for me is the one program. To maybe the shock of some listeners, it's the one program that I basically mostly watch, unless there's like a dead segment or whatever that I don't care about. I put that on, watch the whole episode, no problem. It's the Raw NXT SmackDown Digest that I really have to like read the cards, scan through the video, because I am not going to sit. And I'm sure as I'm not gonna watch any of this stuff live.
3: Three hours of time on Raw is a little. No,
2: much. It, it's it's wasted. It, it's it's so much. I put much it on the next
3: what? day in the background while I work, and if I hear anything good, and, and 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 you know the Cody Dom segment was great. I thought that that's worth seeking out. I think. But
2: yes, no Raw's really put me into a circle back routine. a next day circle, and not even a. When the show's better, it's a later that night circle back. Like I'm actually interested. I just don't want to watch it with all the commercials in it or whatever. But uh, like when it's kind of like dull. I it's a next day or even a day later sort of circle back for me.
3: I'll end my rundown. I have a couple of quick notes and they're both uh, women's wrestlers and I don't feel like I'm giving them the short shrift on this by doing this, but it's just, I'm, I, they're just quick thoughts that I don't have a lot of expounding on. Uh, Chelsea Green is a fantastic stooge. She got the crap beat out of her by Becky Lynch uh, during that, uh, during that, uh, uh, Sonia Deville match. Becky goes out there and just bodies her against against the uh, against the. Uh, uh, yeah, well, she's the, underrated. The Ra- I, I agree with
2: you. No, the rail, Ra- I mean, gamer man.
3: Her her character stinks right now. Uh, I I miss kind of the the I I, I miss the uh, the the whatever mess Laurel Van Ness. I thought that character was brilliant. This character, where she's just basically a Karen, is garbage. But she's game, and and she's just, and and she will lay her body. Down. I think she's great. And I am a little fascinated. I have not watched Impact in a while, but I think I need to at least watch some clips. Uh, Rosemary is no longer Rosemary. She is now coming out as Courtney Rush without the uh, without the war paint and everything. And I'm kind of interested in that because I have I've been a big Rosemary fan for years. I think she is someone who deserved a run at one of the two other companies and never got there. I've seen her. I've watched her just give her body up in small indie shows like rise. I am really a big fan of hers. And uh, I want to see what this character is like that she's playing right now.
2: I think that's, I think those are both fair. Those are both fair points. Um, Yeah. In particular, on Chelsea green. um, I think, as I have seen her, obviously we're not seeing like massive amounts of it. I have had to revise up in my head, kind of where I grade her. I like, I didn't, I basically always had her kind of as like, you know, like the, uh, the cheap version of Britt Baker sort of, and like, she's different. They're, they're just different. Um, and she's really talented in her own right. Uh, yeah, Chelsea's good. I've uh, told this so- story
3: before, but the irony of that is that Canyon Seaman was at a uh, <laughs> shimmer show or a shine show. I forget which one it was in new Orleans. And he was scouting talent on WrestleMania week, and I was there with him. And the funny thing was we weren't sure if Canyon Seaman could tell the difference because Chelsea Green and Britt Baker were a tag team.
2: Oh, sure, sure. And then he was
3: looking at that going, well, I can only sign one of them. (laughs) And this was, this was, uh, it's like, why do I need both of these twins? (laughs) I mean, we were almost convinced that he thought they were twins. Uh, Uh, Yeah, so, um, yeah, so you had two Brits or two Chelseas, depending on what you thought of, and then they go, well, we only have the budget for one, so we're going to sign Chelsea type of a thing. Uh, anything else?
2: No, that's all I got.
3: Okay, cool. Then Let's wrap that up. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at CrapGame13. You can follow just the show at Shake Them Uh I update that as episodes drop. Chris... Uh, has eschewed Twitter for eternity, or at least for now, and is only on the e- eternity. No, uh, you'll be back.
2: No, uh, I won't. It's a dying website run by a madman who's an egomaniac and has serious divorce energy. I'm good.
3: He's on Instagram, which is not at all run by a madman. No, with Mark divorce Zuckerberg.
2: Energy. No, Mark Zuckerberg has felt human at various points in his life. This is Jeff. This is no. Funny. It. Is, he's. I. I heard him. Yeah, I, I, I've heard him talk about how something <laughs> hurt him once because at the time he was human
3: Let me get into and, and
2: that, moments like that really, yeah, that's a real thing. And moments like that really resonate with me, Jeff. They do
3: big divorce energy at D O C T O R underscore N O V. We are part of voices of wrestling network, uh, podcasts for every of you, um, the flagship with Joe and Rich, Music of the Mat with our friend Andrew Rich, The Good, The Bad, The hungry. Open the Voice Gate, whatever your wrestling needs. Uh, oddly enough, a second Voices of Wrestling Fight Game Media crossover this week. As Joe came over to my neighborhood and started talking to uh, Mike and JD on their show over there, I am on the Fight Game Media network every Wednesday. $5 a month. I do hot takes on Dynamite about 20 minutes after the show ends and it gets released about an hour and a half after the show ends with Paul Fontaine. That's called the dynamite show. Clever marketing there. Patreon.com slash fight game media. Chris does things like music and guitar lessons and Zuckerberg eulogy. <laughs> yeah, no, I,
2: I, as we know, I, I run the Mark Zuckerberg fan account on Instagram. Be sure <laughs> that bad boy. I follow. Um, if, you want to hear me rant about something other than politics or I'm sorry, other than wrestling this week, I actually did for the first time in like 10 and a half months. The last one was in August of last year An episode of don't worry about the government of sorts. I don't know if it's fully coming back. So this is like kind of like a limited run sort of thing here. If you go to patreon.com slash DWATG, it's free to all. You can go and listen to it there. I, I mean, at this point, if it the show was gonna come back, I would need to build a web page or have a web page built and I'd have to oh. like,
3: <laughs> I do. thought you're gonna do a Falwell thing or a swagger thing where it's like I need
2: nine no, hundred no, 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 people. No, no 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 I I'm saying like the, the <laughs> webpage no we talked about this the last time it came up on the on at the tail end here in the plugs. Like the web page is lapsed. I mean, I I would need, and you sent me a link to some, or somebody reached out and said they would help me out. Yeah, they're that's still interested. Right. Yeah, someone, they're still interested. I'd love to have their help. Cause yeah, no, I mean, I'll find them. Yeah, the show, the show, I mean, like right now, it's just basically going to be up on Patreon. Um, It's kind of a limited run thing. I don't, you know, I'm going back. People miss the show. I'm still going back and forth on how much I actually like, how interested I am in getting back into politics podcasting. But I will say, I did 90 minutes uh 30 on kind of like the last 10 months or so in my life and then 30 on sort of my broad takes like philosophically on politics and then a little bit of current events and stuff so there's no like no like hard headlines or anything it's it's uh basically if you ever wanted to know what my takes broadly were on things not like a specific issue like you know so and so has been indicted what do you think about that there's nothing like that on this show this, this is much more like uh well, when you think about politics, Chris, what does that mean? I sort of lay out some of those views on patreon.com slash DWATG. Um, if you are interested in the Jimi Hendrix camp, uh, that will be starting this coming Friday here, uh, running four weeks. I will be doing – it's $20 or 25 a class. Um, they're two hours apiece, and you can get the video of them archivally as well. So if you want that, reach out to me on Instagram – and of course you can always get guitar lessons and I'm 37 and I'm the greatest.
1: Hey everybody. My name is Jesse Collins, and I want to tell you all about my show, the gentlemen's wrestling podcast here on the voices of wrestling podcast network on the gentlemen's wrestling podcast. We do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media. We talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture. And we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Craich and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast. Trevor Dame from the Through the Years podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface-level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.